All right. Genesis chapter 2, verse 7. In Genesis chapter 2, verse 7, um, it's a familiar passage of Scripture, as you know. But, um, you know, there's a lot that can be said if we just continue to look at the Scripture for what truths are contained within it. So we see here in Genesis 2, 7, it says, Then the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground, and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living being. In this passage of Scripture, there's a few things that we want to point out. The first thing we need to understand this is that we were designed to be like, act like, and function like the ruler of the kingdom of... Uh, forms him out of the dust of earth. He breathes into his nostrils the breath of life. So man was designed... To be like, act like, and function like the ruler of the invincible kingdom. After the creator gave us his own nature. Are you with me? Gave us his own nature. All right. He gave us physical bodies so that we could function in a physical world he had created and prepared especially for us. Because we know the Bible says in Psalms. I believe it's 115, says the highest heavens are the Lord's, but the earth he has given to man. And then in over in Isaiah chapter 45, verse 18, it says God did not create the, the, the earth to be uninhabited. So he had an intention of why he created the earth in the first place, and he placed his man or that which looked like him to rule in this um on this earth. So when he breathed into his breast, the, 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 into his nostrils, the breath of life, his spirit man, which is in his image, also was able to contain the Holy Ghost, the Holy Spirit. Okay, let's go on. So the very breath, the breath is, is the very, uh, is his very spirit within us animating and empowering us to fulfill our call on earth. So he forms man out of the dust of the earth, but before man can even move forward, God has to breathe his very spirit into his nostrils that would empower him and anoint him and, and cause his body to come alive so that he could fulfill his purpose. Three things took place when the breath of the spirit uh, ignited life and Adam. The first thing that it did is the invisible spirit of the man, the, the, the spirit ignited the invisible spirit of man, which being made in the image of God is eternal. So it ignited, it, it caused it to come to life. It, it was in that image. The second thing the spirit did, it ignited life in the soul of man, meaning the total human consciousness of mind, will, and emotions. And the last thing the spirit ignited in Adam is in his physical body, which became the living vessel housing the spirit and the soul. Man's soul and body gave him an awareness of his earthly environment while the spirit of God dwelling within man's spirit gave him a consciousness of his creator king and the ability to communicate directly with the heavenly government. Now this is significant because again, too often what we'll find is that we will um, Take the account of Scripture from Genesis chapter 3 uh, at the point by which Adam eats the fruit, and we call it the fall, all the way up to Revelations chapter 20, the very end. 
And that's where most of our teaching will comprise of. But the reality is there is this state of the planet prior to the fall. And there is a state of the planet after, after the devil has been thrown into the bottomless pit. There's a millennial reign of Christ. This is all after the tribulation period. All after. Too often what we think because of, you know, the things that we tend to learn a lot is that we keep our mindset that if I ask Jesus to save me, when I die, I go to heaven, and it's like it's over. But the Bible keeps going. If we happen to be the people on the planet when Jesus returns, when the last trumpet sounds, and we are changed in the moment in the twinkling of an eye, and we are caught up together with him in the air, we tend to think that's it. But the reality is that's not it. We know that there's this tribulation period that takes place on the planet, whether you are pre-trib, mid-trib, or post-trib, however your doctrine is that you choose to be. You know what? If you're pre, that's at least another seven years. You're convinced there's seven more years on the planet that people are operating. If you're a mid-trib, that's three and a half more years you believe the planet's still moving on without you being here. If you're post-trib, then you go through tribulation, you are called up to heaven, but the reality is then the millennial reign of Christ, you come right back. When Jesus himself comes on this earth after the tribulation periods and rules and reigns in a divine government, and the devil will not be on the planet at all. Are you with me? The Bible says an angel will take him and chain him and throw him in the bottomless pit for a thousand years. He won't be here to deceive. Now, the false prophet and the beast, they're already dealt with. They're already thrown out, okay? They're never to resurface. They're in the lake of fire. But the devil, after the thousand years, will come back, will be released to deceive nations again. So there's a whole lot to do even after those events that we typically look forward to. Not to mention, after that's taken care of and the devil's thrown into the lake of fire, then we judge the dead at the great white throne judgment. Then we finally get into the perfect state. And that is the original intent brought full circle a new heaven and a new earth. Are you with me? What's important is, is that when God made us, he never wanted us to be to live a life separated from the Spirit of God. Are you with me? If you have your Bibles, in Genesis chapter 1, verse 1, we know it says this. It says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Then we know some things take place. I won't get into that. But then all of a sudden, you're looking at the earth. It's dark, without void, formless. And it says, the Spirit of God. Who was? Who was? The Spirit of God was hovering over the surface of the earth. Then verse 3 says, Then God said, Let there be. Now, what that tells us is it gives us the Trinity there. God the Father said the spoken word, which is the Son of God. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. We know that the Word eventually puts on human form. And the 14th verse of the first chapter of John says, and the word became flesh and we beheld his glory, the son of the only, be uh, the begotten son of the father, right? 
So we know the Son of God by his earthly name, Jesus, right? But he was there in the beginning. I said he was there in the beginning. All things were created for him and by him. But what was it? It was the spoken word. It was the word. But who actually did the creating? The Holy Spirit caused the word to come to pass. He was the one that brought the power. So what really took place, what's really devastating, is that when Adam fell from dominion, when he ate the fruit that God told him not to eat, the spirit of God in him, the Holy Spirit, left. Left him. And for the first time, he had to navigate in a physical world without the aid of, the, of heaven without the spirit of God. He was stuck to his five senses and he lived life based upon what he saw, what he heard, what he could uh, taste, touch, smell by his five senses. He began to navigate from his soul realm only. When God comes in to begin to say, Adam, where are you? And he's still asking that same question today. In essence, he's saying, what position are you in now without my spirit? For what I said would take place has happened. Now, we know Adam didn't drop physically dead when he ate the fruit, but he did die what we say spiritual death. And spiritual death or death in general is not the ceasing to exist. Too often that's our mindset, that when you die, you cease to exist. Not true. Not true at all. Death means separation. When we um, experience a loved one that dies, that don't mean they cease to exist. That just means they're separated from us. In fact, Pastor Brandon right now was up in Kentucky. His grandmother passed away. She was 90-something years old. How much? 98. She was moving. She was ready to see Jesus because the Bible is very clear. To be absent from the body is to be what? Present with the Lord. And so, um, but at this point, her death is only a separation from this earth realm from those she knows on this earth realm. She hasn't ceased to exist. Good news for her is that she's present with the Lord. Hallelujah. She's present with the Lord. If she had not made Jesus Lord, she still would have nonetheless ceased to exist. She would have been down in the, in the grave, been in, uh, been in torment, even at this point, all right, awaiting judgment which will then be the second death where she would have been cast into the lake of fire because she did not make Jesus Lord. Praise God, that's not what she's going to be happening, okay? So that tells us because Pastor Brandon is born of God, he will see his grandmother again. And the next time he sees her, separation will never occur again. Death will never happen again. They will always, forever and ever and ever be together. Hallelujah. Okay? So, Adam died spiritually, and so when God comes down and begins to say, Adam, did you eat the fruit I told you not to? And he blames God for his wife. Well, it's that woman you gave me. So he goes to Eve, and he says, Eve, what have you done? Now, here's the thing. Eve told the truth. You have to understand this. Eve did not lie to God. Eve was very clear. The devil deceived me, and I ate. Because if you get over into the New Testament, I believe it's Peter, talks about how, thou, how Eve was deceived. So she was honest. He deceived me and I ate. From there, he goes to the serpent and he says, I will bring my seed. 
through the woman because she didn't lie to me. Unlike the man who didn't take personal responsibility. Okay? And he says, I'm going to bring my seed through the woman. You'll bruise his heel, but he will crush your head. Now, at this point, typically what we think about is that we think that the whole role of Jesus is just to get us saved. And Jesus will save us. But Jesus is not just here to save us. Jesus is here to redeposit something in us. So let's look at what, what this whole conversation gets around Jesus when he actually shows up in the planet. The first person who begins to talk about him is John the Baptist. John the Baptist will say, there's the lamb, that, uh, this is the lamb of God who will be slain to um, take away the sins of the world. He says that about Jesus. But that's not the only thing he says about Jesus. He doesn't just testify that Jesus will take away the sins of the world. He also says another thing about Jesus here in Luke chapter 3, verse 16. John the Baptist says this concerning Jesus. John answered and said to them, as for me, I baptize you with water. But one is coming who is mightier than I, and I am not fit to untie the thong of his sandals. He will what? Baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. The Holy Spirit and fire. Now, the majority, almost every account, when fire is mentioned in the word of God, it has to do with purifying. So if you're crying out and say, God, I want the fire of the Holy Ghost, what you're saying is, I want the Holy Ghost to show up and show me everything that's wrong. Because fire is to burn off impurities. Fire is uh, to come and, and take away that which is not in its purest form. Now, know this, when you get born again, God takes care of your spirit, but you're responsible for your soul. That's why the, uh, the writer, um, either Peter or Paul, I can't remember off the top of my head, said we have to work out our salvation with fear and trembling. Who was that? Was that Paul? Paul. Paul said, work out your salvation. Now, that doesn't mean we work salvation. Salvation is not of our own works, lest any man should boast. Only God could give us a new spirit. That's a work, a finished work of Jesus. But now that we have a new spirit that's created in the likeness of God, it's not that we only have a new spirit. And this is what John's alluding to. John is not saying Jesus has only come to pay the penalty for sin, so if you'll make him Lord, when you die, you go to heaven. It's more than that. He says not only will he pay the penalty for sin so that it gives you access to the kingdom of God, but then he'll give you the spirit of that kingdom. Because the Bible says when we're born again, the old passes away. Behold, all things become new and the Holy Spirit will come and bear witness with our spirit that we are children of God. Hallelujah. Say, thank God for the Holy Spirit. It's amazing how we don't talk enough about the Holy Spirit. Yet the Holy Spirit is doing a work right now. The Father finished his work on the seventh day of creation. Jesus finished his work on the cross. The Holy Spirit is still doing his work. And the Holy Spirit ain't doing his own work. He's doing what he's hearing. Just as Jesus didn't do his own work, he only did what he heard. But he wouldn't hear 
what the Father was telling him to do if it had not been for the Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. See, the Holy Spirit, the Bible tells us that we are the temple of the Holy Ghost, that God didn't want his spirit to just come upon man-made tabernacle or a man-made temple, but desired to be within the hearts of men. Why? Because that's where he originally was before Adam fell from dominion. He desired to be living in man, not be around man. So all the while, why we here too often or have this expectation of Jesus that it's about us receiving him so we can get to him. The reality of Jesus's gospel is to get him to us and not wait for us to get to him. This is why Jesus prayed. When you pray, pray this way. Our father who art in where? Heaven. Where does the father live? Hallowed be your name or holy is your name. Your kingdom? Your kingdom what? Your will be? On as it is. So notice God's not waiting for us to get to him. His biggest desire is to get back to us. Amen. So what we're saying is, is that we need to make sure we understand the role of the Holy Spirit because the reality is we cannot live without him. Can't live without him. And we need to understand the third person of the Godhead. See, we love the Father. Why? Because he's up there. That's the mentality of most. He's up there. He's there, we're here. Right? He's there, we're here. We love Jesus because he took care of sin. And he gave us a free gift. I said this in first service. You have relationship with people at work, right? Okay, they may not be close friends, but you still know them. You have a relationship. And have you ever been on your birthday or, or something happened? Maybe it was a Christmas party, and they did the little exchange deal, and all of a sudden you got a gift from someone at work, but you really don't know them. I mean, you have a relationship because you work with them, but... You don't hang out with them. You don't talk to them all the time on the phone. You don't really have, they just someone, you, so you have a relationship, but it's limited at best. And so what they do is they bring you a gift. Now, what did it cost you? Nothing. In essence, it's free to you. They paid the price for your gift and they give it to you. You take it, open it up and blow and behold, it's really something you like. And you're shocked that they even knew you would like that. Right? So typically, what do we do? We take it, we receive it. We're like, oh, thank you. And you're so kind to them, right? Oh, thank you. It's just what I want. This is so wonderful. Thank you. But then after that, you take your gift, you walk off from that party, and you don't see them the next day and go, oh, man, I love your gift. Oh, let's go out and hang out. You know, since you gave me this gift, why don't we do dinner? Why don't we do this? No, you just, you know, see them haphazardly. In fact, if you never talk to them again, it really wouldn't matter. You got the gift. You really don't want them. Oh, I'm preaching now. See, what happens is people come down and want Jesus's gift of get out of hell. They don't want him. They just want to be re relieved from all their trouble. So I'll receive my free gift. I'll continue to live life like I used to. But, you know, we have this exchange. And that's not how God intended us to live. It was never his intent. 
In fact, if you read how Jesus preached, Jesus spent more time talking about his kingdom than he talked about saving. He realizes that in order for you to enjoy the kingdom of God, you're going to have to be saved. Why? Because his kingdom is a real place that has real citizens. No different than the United States is a real nation that has citizens. And really, what makes us a nation anyway? Think about this, guys. What makes us a nation anyway? Is it the boundaries of our land? Right? I mean, okay, so this is our boundaries. So based upon this territory, if we're born within these land, then we get a birth certificate that tells us that we are citizens of this nation by being born in this land. It's an ideal. Right? The same principle takes place when you receive Christ as your Lord and Savior, you're born of his kingdom. And so he can't have anyone in his kingdom that's not rightly there by birth. That's why Jesus told uh, Nicodemus at 2 or 3 o'clock in the morning in private, unless a man's born again, he shall not see the kingdom of God. Unless a man is uh, born again, he shall not enter the kingdom of heaven. So being born again is the door. Jesus is the door. He's the doorway. He's the one that opened it. He's the one that's, that um, allowed the invitation to come so that we could step into the kingdom. But we're not to step in, have the door shut, and then keep our derrieres to the door. Wow, this is awesome. Just like you will never experience Anchor Faith Church if you walk through that door and then press your backside, your glutus maximus, up against the glass door and stay there the whole time. Now, you're going to experience a few things. You'll see people in the lobby, people in, you know, uh, our little foyer area around the cafe talking, you know, joy, conversing. You're going to have people because we have great greeters. They'll come by and shake your hand and talk to you, and you'll keep yourself pressed to the glass. Hey, how you doing? It's great. Man, I'm just glad I'm in. Well, would you like coffee? Man, would love some. Oh, I'm preaching now. So, you love some, but the problem is... You haven't learned that you can go get it. <laughs> so you require, you have access, but what you do is you, would you get me some? <laughs> See, when you don't know who you are, you'll stay against the glass and expect everything to just come to you instead of you starting to operate in what you have. And then it's awkward because all of a sudden somebody opens this door and then opens your door. And if you're holding on to the glass, well, you know what happens when the door opens. You start to fall. Oh, I'm preaching. <laughs> And you're trying to grab the doorposts because you really don't want to fall out, but there's more than you coming in. Hallelujah. So he didn't just save us. He put his, give, gave us his spirit again. Look what Jesus says. If we're going to talk about what Jesus preached, let's look at this. John chapter 14, verse 16 and 17. It says, and I will ask the father and he will give you another helper that he may be with you forever. So now look, Jesus said, I'm going to ask the Father, he'll give you another helper, and that word helper means one just like me. Okay? That is the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it does not see him or know him, but you know him because he abides in you and will be with you and will be in you. So notice, Jesus says, I'm not here just to save you from your sins so that when you die, you can be with me up here. I, I, I came to pay the penalty for sin so that I could have him invite you in the house. 
See, no one comes to the Father unless he's drawn by the Spirit. It's the Holy Spirit that actually draws us into a relationship with Christ. He said he, when he comes, he's going to convict the world of their sin, things concerning judgment. He's going to tell them about me. Well, what's the Holy Ghost coming? He comes to you and says, hey, you need a Savior. Listen, your life could be better. Listen, you, you need to be in a different family. You were never destined to live like this. There's a better way. Right? He is the one talking to you, not Jesus, him. Now, he's saying what Jesus says, but it's the Holy Ghost drawing you. So if the Holy Spirit's drawing you to get in, then the Holy Spirit's drawing you to get in so he can get in you, so he can take you on into the kingdom. And Jesus says, I want him to be there. I'm not here just checking a box so you can come here. I'm trying to get myself in you so that what happens here happens down there. So that you don't have to wait to get up here for it to happen. It can happen while you're down there. John chapter 16. This is why we shouldn't look like the world, guys. And the Holy Spirit will teach us how to not live and function and look like the rest of the world. John 16 verse 7 says it this way, but I tell you the truth, it's to your advantage that I go away. For if I, I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. This is powerful. Think about this now. Jesus is the man who knew no sin. So by definition, then he never dies. Okay, let me go over here. The wages of sin is death. For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory, but not Jesus. For Jesus was a man who knew no sin. Yet he became sin so that we might become the righteous of God in Christ. So Jesus could have, when he got to the planet, never left. Could have lived here forever. Would still be here. Still doing the same miracles. Still touching people's lives. Still doing the same thing he did. But then he says, listen, it's better I'm not here. Man, you better get a hold of that. Because a lot of times, like, oh, I just wish Jesus. And we need to hope for Jesus. Don't get me wrong. We need to, to, to desire to see him and love him and thank God for him. But our Lord is saying, Get a hold of the advantage I've given you. I've given you an advantage. I've given you an advantage. As a believer, take hold of the advantage. And it's, he is called the Holy Spirit, the third person of the Godhead. Why is this such an advantage? Because as long as I'm in the planet, he's with me. And he's in me, and I have him to the full measure. But I want him not to just be with me. I want him in you. So if I go, he'll come. <laughs> Woo, hallelujah. Let's go on. Verse 14. He will glorify me for he will take a mine and disclose it to you. All things that the father has are mine. Therefore, I say that he takes a mine and will disclose it to you. So notice Adam, when he was first here in the planet, before he ate the fruit, he had the Spirit of God in him, and he could hear what the Father was saying. But the minute he ate the fruit, he could no longer have a consistent conversation with the Lord. That doesn't mean the Lord couldn't show up and talk, but the Lord couldn't inhabit, because God does not inhabit that which is sinful. We don't put new wine in old wineskins. 
So the best he can do is he can come upon. And he, notice he's always trying to come down. He tried to come down in the tabernacle so he could be with his people, but he couldn't be in his people because they were rebellious and stiff-necked. But he could get on a tabernacle that was, that was designed according to his plan, according to his model. And everything he did, whether it was a tent in the wilderness or whether it was an actual ta uh, temple, it was based upon his specification and it was with the purest of things. Amen? But the good news is now God lives in us. Here's the most confusing thing, parents, is that if you don't allow the Holy Ghost to navigate your life, you'll confuse your children. Because the children will know you're just religious when you come to church because they're wondering why the greater one in you isn't working so good. It doesn't make sense. And the Holy Ghost won't seem real to them because you're not modeling a, a Holy Ghost-led life. This is why we need to model a Holy Ghost-led life. It's so important because God has taken us out of something and placed us into something so that we can do it with his fullness. Amen? Hallelujah. So let's go on then. John chapter 20, verse 22. Again, Jesus has now died on the cross, rose from the grave, okay? And he's poured out his blood on the mercy seat of God. He's standing before his disciples. And in this standing before the disciples, he didn't even have to use a door. He just walked through the wall. Okay? It's glorified body. All right? And here he is with his disciples. And look what he says to them. Now, notice, he has paid the price for sin. He does not say, guys, will you accept me as your Lord? Oh, I'm... You say, so asking him to be Lord is not required. No, he's already asked the question. Who do people say that I am? <laughs> well, some say that I, but who do you say them? We believe you're the Messiah. In essence, Peter, along with the other disciples, said, you're the Messiah. Save one. They say, you're the Messiah. You're the king. You're the one. And he said, flesh and blood has not revealed this to you. So you understand, they had already had a hope. He is the Lord. He's the Lord. They already had a confession of faith. They just didn't have the payment of their confession yet. Once Jesus applied the blood, the blood was applied to their confession. This is why he could lead captivity captive out of the grave. Abraham, David, all those, Moses, all those that gone before him that were in Abraham's bosom, that were in the righteous, that were the righteous dead, that were in a place that had this belief system that Jesus is Lord. The Lord will pay the penalty uh, for all our trouble. We believe in him. We have a hope in him. When he came down, he was able to take them out. In fact, the gospel says that when he led captivity captive, that through Jerusalem, those came out of the grave and people saw them. Can you imagine if your grandmother showed back up at your house and said, son, now you need to get some things right with God. And you're like, grandma, what are you doing here? <laughs> right? Great grandma, great, great grandma, whatever it was, they died right. I'm, I'm here because the blood's been applied. I'm going with him. I'm no longer bound to the grave. He's conquered death, hell, and the grave. Can I get an amen? Amen. All right, that was that resurrection that's recorded there, all right? 
So understand this. Jesus didn't come in and hold a uh, let's get born again meeting. In essence, he says, since you're born again, because I am Lord, you know I'm Lord. Now I need to give you what I've been waiting to give you the whole time that Adam didn't have anymore. And I couldn't give in the other dispensations because man was in sin. He was separated from me. And, and, and though he did the things that I asked in order to maintain a layer of righteousness, they still died and could not actually have me in them. And even the prophet, priest, and king, he could only come upon them, but then had to depart because of their transgression, but now I've forgiven. And now if I'm Lord, I'll make you a new creature. And now that you're a new creature, I get to give you the Holy Spirit back. And so he tells his disciples, receive the Holy Spirit. So the reality is when you come to get born again, you come to receive the Holy Spirit. You come to receive the Holy Spirit. Salvation is the doorway. It gives you the candidacy so that you can get into the kingdom so that now you have the right to the third person of the Godhead and you can become the temple of the Holy Ghost. You're not coming to wait for a later date, though a later date will come where this kingdom that we serve will materialize. It will manifest. But God says, don't wait for that. I want to get in you now. And I'm not talking, I'm talking God himself wants to come. So when you make Jesus the Lord of your life, then you're saying, I receive the Holy Spirit into my life. God, come and dwell within me. Abide in me. My gosh, man. We have the third person of the Godhead on the inside of us. Hallelujah. And if you have the third person of the Godhead, what can you not do? All things are possible with him who believes. That's why you're more than a conqueror in Christ Jesus, because you have the third person of the Godhead on the inside of you. Amen. So Jesus breathes on them. Notice the same action that happened to Adam in the garden, Jesus does to his disciples. Says, receive the Holy Spirit. Now, is there anything Jesus said that didn't take place? No. His word, not one word, didn't come to pass. So that took place. Yet, he later on in Acts chapter 1, as he come, presents himself to about 500 people, testifies to them concerning the kingdom of God, he says this in verse 4, gathering them together, he commanded them not to leave Jerusalem, but to wait for what the Father had promised, which he said, you heard for, uh, from me, for John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Now, they already have the Spirit within. Right. Now, they'll receive the Spirit upon. Yes. And again, sometimes people, because again, they just try to put their own natural thinking, they say, well, if you believe in the baptism of the Holy Spirit, that means you have to believe that they only got half the Holy Ghost. When they got born again, they get the rest of it later. That's not what it says. They get it all. They get all of the expression of the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. But he has another work. I said he has another work. It's called the baptism of the Holy Spirit, and that's him coming upon you. This shouldn't be hard. You know, in manufacturing, there's a processes, processes to produce a particular product. And you'll start one place. It's still the same product. But you'll start in one process only to go to another. They're just different processes for the same thing. So the Holy Ghost said, my first process is to get in you because with me being in you is to get you right. I'm coming to get you right. I'm coming to let you know you're now a child of God and have access to all the kingdom and I've become your educator. 
I'm here to educate you in the things of the kingdom. I'm here to retrain your thinking. I'm here to renew your mind by the word of God. I'm going to educate you. I'm going to teach you. I'm going to instruct you. I'm going to give you the ways of the kingdom. I'm going to get you to change the way you think and think like the kingdom. That's what repent means. It means to change your thinking. And so I'm here to help change that. But then he'll come upon you, empower you to go witness. And you'll never be the successful witness God desires until you're in due with power. Because God wants us to demonstrate the full extent of his kingdom. What's it say in Acts uh, 1.8? It says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. He's already in them, but he's come upon them. And you shall be my witnesses both in Jerusalem and all Judea, Samaria, and even to the remotest part of the earth. So know this, that when he comes in you, you can testify what God's done for you. And that testimony can get people to say, I want what you have because you'll have internal peace. You'll have internal joy. You'll have, uh, um, you know, peace of mind. Uh, you know, things can begin to change. You'll get internal wisdom because you have the spirit of wisdom. Yet, God at times wants us to demonstrate his kingdom and power just like Jesus. Because Jesus said, the works that I do, even greater works will you do. Now, the greater work is not being born again because Jesus saw that. Because they could not have received the Holy Ghost as disciples if they weren't born again. So what are the greatest works? As we said in first service. As we said in first service, it's Christ in you, the hope of glory, meaning the spirit of God indwelling you and being upon you like it was with Jesus. Wherever Jesus with the Holy Spirit was, he did that. But guess what? Now, Will, wherever he goes, Jesus goes because the Holy Spirit's in him. Wherever Marcus goes, the Holy Spirit's in him and goes with him. Wherever Daniel goes, the Holy Spirit's in him and goes with him. You understand? I could go all the way through this whole congregation. So that means wherever you go, Christ is there because you have the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead lives where? And he's the greater one. So why in the world would all the co-workers be able to get you to compromise your life and live like the world when you should live like God because you've been given the spirit of the kingdom and they should say, I don't know where you're from, but I, got, I need to have what you have. Amen. When we yield to the spirit of God, we can have this kind of existence. So let me close with these few points. The first one is this. The most important promise the creator king ever made to human beings was the promise of the Holy Spirit, that the Holy Spirit would return to live within them because he is the key to life. We do not have life outside the Holy Ghost. We do not. We cannot come to Christ without the Holy Spirit, and we are not identified as being children of God without the Holy Spirit. Amen. He is the key to life. The next thing is, is human beings were created by God to live from the inside out. We do not live by sight. We live by faith. The spirit of God within us teaches our spirit, speaks, communicates to our spirit. He will teach us all things. He'll guide us into all truth. He'll cause things to come to our remembrance and he'll disclose things to come. That's his assignment to us as believers. Yeah. Amen. And he will instruct us so that we live from the inside out, not from the outside in. All these external things. Notice, and guys, it blows me away. But you understand, there are people who would not come to church today for the sake of getting wet. Well, there's a storm out there. Listen, 
If you can't speak to a natural storm, you'll never speak to a spiritual storm. If you'll let a natural storm keep you from God, a spiritual storm will be easy to derail you and knock you off your path. I mean, we're not talking about a hurricane, guys. We're talking about a subtropical storm that is supposed to increase to a tropical. Maybe it's there today. Maybe it's there. But we're not talking hurricane. We're talking projections of two to four inches of rain. And people are scared in their homes right now. Down south, we were seeing yesterday pastors canceling service for rain. Aren't you glad Noah didn't say it's off? <laughs> I'm canceling this boat ride. <laughs> now, I mean, I'm not trying to be demeaning or belittle. I'm just saying there's, there's someone greater in us that these external things shouldn't dictate our participation with God. That's what I'm saying. What I'm saying is we got to be more led by the Spirit because God had a word for you. And are you going to let a little rain drop, a little bit of discomfort of getting out of your vehicle and running into another climate-controlled environment? I mean, I could have had all you sit in those seats. Just rotate through, right? No. But I mean, even if we were standing in the rain, my gosh, you know, Jesus spoke to storms. Why are we up? Well, that storm's coming. Why don't we rise up and say, God, I, I mean, I don't want to rebuke a storm to rebuke a storm. But you know what? If it hinders the plan of God, it's time to say something. And when Jesus rebuked storms, it's because it was hindering a plan. And I'm telling you right now, the assembling of yourselves together is a hindrance to God's plan. So I pray, Lord, pull it back, slow it down. Don't let it come. Allow the people to be able to come. But you know what? The minute you hear the radio, you see the TV, and they, they always going to give you worst case. If you're led by that, you'll live by that. But we're supposed to live from the inside out. Human beings were made to be in the image and likeness of the king with his own personal presence living within them. Do you know God's here? God's here because he came in you, child of God. Are we giving him full expression in our lives? A lot of times they're like, Lord, do something. He's like, I'm in you. Let me do it. I'm talking to you. Let me do it. Yield to me. Let me, let me lead you where I need you to go. Human beings were designed to function like the creator king. It is sure that they would be able to rule on earth as he would rule in the heavenly kingdom, having his very nature of love, mercy, kindness, and forgiveness. You know, when you become a child of God, your character changes. Well, I just can't forgive them for what they do. Better watch out. That's not what the Spirit of God in you is saying. He died for that. He forgave that before they even want forgiveness. You can do it. This is what makes you um, a child of God. The Holy Spirit is our governor of our human spirit. He is the bridge of humanity and the unseen kingdom. He's the one who lets us know what Jesus is saying who is seated at the right hand of the Father. Hallelujah. The reason why Paul had to correct the church at, in Galatia, as we read in the, in the book of Galatians, when we get to chapter 3, he says... Who in the world has bewitched you? 
You started this thing in the spirit, and now you're working it out in the flesh. You say, well, Pastor Earl, I don't do that. You'll do it if you read the Bible and you try to determine what God is saying independent of the Holy Ghost. You know, you can follow Jesus' teaching and develop a good moral conduct. In fact, the Thomas Jefferson Bible is just that. Thomas Jefferson, the president of our United States, did not believe Jesus was the Son of God. That may shock you, but that's a true statement. He did believe there was a, a divine power, but he did not believe Jesus was the Son of God. In fact, he thought all the writings of Jesus, because they were written by uneducated men, were, were fabricated uh, myths concerning Jesus. So his Bible takes out all of Jesus's miracles and only talks about the good things he did. And you know, you can build a good life around that. But that's not what God came back to make you build a good life. He came back to put his spirit in you. To put his spirit in you and so that you could do the same works he did. Which were miraculous. Which were miraculous. It's the, it, it's the presence of the Holy Spirit within human beings that uh, gives us the authority and ability to have dominion over our environments. We have authority, guys. The devil doesn't control us anymore. Sin doesn't control us anymore. Our flesh doesn't control us anymore. We are the ones who have dominion over it if we'll follow the leading of the Holy Spirit. Are you with me? We exercise dominion over the earth under the direction of the spirit of the king. This is why it's so important that we understand the Holy Ghost. A human being without the king's spirit is dysfunctional because he's never complete. His very purpose requires the presence of the Holy Spirit. Wow. Know this. The restoration of God's king spirit to humanity is central to the restoration of his kingdom on earth. In order for his will be done on earth as it is in heaven through us, we must know the Holy Spirit. We must take our relationship with Jesus beyond the cross. We must recognize Jesus paid a price that only he could pay because he's the only man that could redeem humanity. God gave the earth to men, so it required a man to redeem humanity. And that was God in the flesh named Jesus. So we couldn't do it. He did it. But now that he has, he's not taking us out. He's not desiring to just remove us. He's actually saying, now that you're born again, you have my spirit. Your, your spirit, man, is like mine. I can put the Holy Ghost in you. And every day, we can talk, we can move, we can live, we can have our being because you're connected to me. And all the resources I have in my heavenly realm will be at your disposal. This is why Paul said, and my God shall supply all of my needs according to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus. Why? Because what I have need, the Holy Ghost will let me know. I'll authorize it in this earth in the name of Jesus, and the Holy Spirit will bring it to pass.
will bring it to pass. Hallelujah. We need the Holy Ghost. Amen.